Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strucky Sports Talk for Episode 3. On today's episode, I'll break down the winners and losers of the MLB trade deadline on Wednesday and recap the Red Sox series with the Rays. Not to mention, I'll preview the series with the Yankees in the Bronx. Ladies and gentlemen, football is officially back with the Hall of Fame game in Canton last night, which I will briefly discuss. Parker Mason joins me today to break down this crazy NBA offseason. I have a great show for you guys today, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. The clear winner of the trade deadline emerged after hours as the Houston Astros traded for Zach Greinke. This was easily the biggest blockbuster from the trade deadline, and you can say Houston has by far the best starting rotation in all of baseball, which is comprised of Verlander, Cole, Miley, and Greinke. This makes the Astros the clear-cut favorite for the World Series crown. Another winner that emerged from Wednesday afternoon was the Atlanta Braves. The Braves added some much-needed bullpen help as they acquired Shane Green from the Tigers and Mark Melanson from the Giants. The bullpen has a 7.11 ERA since the All-Star break, the second highest in the major leagues. Clearly, Atlanta addressed that issue at the deadline. The Cleveland Indians made a massive three-team deal with the Reds and Padres, in which they traded Trevor Bauer to the Reds and received Yasiel Puig and Franmil Reyes and three prospects. Dealing Trevor Bauer in a season where the rotation is not at its best is difficult, but building their farm system and getting some more power in their lineup will certainly help. The Indians will get exactly that with Puig and Reyes, to help them stretch their lead in the AL wildcard race and track down the Twins in the AL Central. For the losers on Wednesday, I would have to say the Yankees would be the clear loser. Their starting pitching was the main need heading into Wednesday, and they stayed put. Stroman was their main target, and they missed out on him. There were talks with a deal for Robbie Ray, but he remained on the Diamondbacks, and they had enough in their farm system to make a trade for Bumgarner but Brian Cashman was hesitant to pull the trigger. The Yankees were able to make themselves the contender in the American League, and as a result of them standing pat, the Astros jumped the gun and now it is a tough road to the World Series for New York. The Red Sox did not address their bullpen woes at the deadline, and that makes them another loser. Boston's bullpen has 19 blown saves, so adding a closer would have been in Dave Dombrowski's best interest. The offense for Boston has been outstanding, but the bullpen is a glaring issue and has been costly for the Sox late in games. It's astounding to me that Dave Dombrowski did not make a single move on Wednesday. David Price and Charlie Morton faced off against each other for the second time this season at Fenway Park to begin the series. Morton pitched into the fourth, allowing four runs on seven hits, and Price also pitched into the fourth, giving up four runs on nine hits, as neither pitcher qualified for the victory. The Rays open up the series in Boston with a back-and-forth 6-5 victory. Andrew Benintendi homered in his third consecutive game with a two-run shot to put Boston ahead 5-4 in the fifth, just after Rays starter Charlie Morton left the game. Rays right fielder Avisel Garcia hit a go-ahead RBI double in the 6th to take a 6-5 lead and put the Rays in position to win the ballgame. 
The Sox stranded seven runners to the last three innings and lost a tough one on Tuesday night. Rick Porcello took the hill on Wednesday night against Tampa Bay. Porcello was horrendous on the mound as he gave up three home runs, nine hits, and six runs, and only pitched into the fifth as the Sox lost 8-5. Kevin Kiermeyer, Austin Meadows, and Willie Adamas homered for Tampa. The Rays used an opener in Andrew Kittredge, who pitched into the second and allowed one run on two hits. Ryan Yarborough entered the game shortly after, as he threw three innings, giving up four runs on six hits. The Sox attempted a comeback as J.D. Martinez and Michael Chavis each hit a solo homer in the loss, and Rafael Devers added an RBI single as well as Martinez with a two-run single. Andrew Kashner made his third start at Fenway this season on Thursday night. Kashner lost his third start as a member of the Red Sox as he pitched into the fifth, giving up seven runs on seven hits and walked five batters. Brendan McKay also pitched into the fifth and gave up only three runs on seven hits. Mike Zanino and Austin Meadows went yard for the Rays in the victory. On the other hand, Xander Bogarts hit two homers and Mookie Betts added a solo shot in the loss. This was a very important series for Boston to maintain their position in the AL wildcard race as they are now three and a half games back after getting swept by Tampa and are very desperate heading into the series with the Yankees. Red Sox face the Yankees once again this weekend in a pivotal four-game series, including a day-night doubleheader on Saturday. I expect the Sox to split the series with the Yankees. I don't see them winning two straight series against New York, especially with the series being in the Bronx this time around. And Boston is 4-7 and seven against them this season. With Friday night's probable starting pitchers being Eduardo Rodriguez and James Paxton, I think the Sox can start the series with a win because Boston torched Paxton his last outing against the Sox as Mookie Betts hit three home runs off of him. I believe they will lose a day game in the doubleheader because Chris Sale has struggled against the Yankees this year and is 0-3 against them. Domingo Herman is on the mound for New York and he is 13-2 with a 4.08 ERA. He pitched in last Sunday's matchup against the Sox and I expect him to be very tough again this time around. David Price takes the mound on Sunday night, and his career numbers against the Yankees are alarming as he is 3-8 in 13 starts since becoming a member of the Red Sox. Jay Happ has easily been the most consistent starting pitcher for the Yankees this season, as he is 8-6 with a 5.19 ERA. So I expect, him, I expect the Yankees to close the series out with a win. This series can make or break the Red Sox season as they sit 10 games back in the division, and are three and a half back in the wild card. Losing the series could put Boston in danger of missing the playoffs for the first time since the 2015 season. The NFL returned last night with the annual Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, as the Denver Broncos and Atlanta Falcons faced off. The Broncos' competition for quarterback was up for grabs last night as Kevin Hogan started the game and drove Denver right down the field for a touchdown as he went 5-for-8 and passing for 37 yards. 
Second-round draft pick from Missouri, Drew Locke looked comfortable under the helm as he completed 7 out of his 11 passing attempts for 34 yards. The undrafted quarterback, Brett Ripien from Boise State, came into the game late and went 5 for 10, passing for 41 yards and throwing the game-winning touchdown to Juwan Winfrey late in the fourth quarter to give the Broncos the 14-10 win. The starting job, second string, and third string have some serious competition in Denver this year, with Drew Locke, Kevin Hogan, Brett Ripien, and former Super Bowl champion Joe Flacco. Running back Kalfani Muhammad was a breakout player for Denver in this preseason showdown, as he had seven carries for 50 yards, averaged 7.1 yards per carry, and added a touchdown. Quarterback Matt Schaub struggled for the Falcons as he only completed four passes on 14 attempts for 10 yards and an interception. Kurt Benker may have made his case to be the understudy for Matt Ryan. He completed 19 out of his 34 passing attempts for 185 yards and threw for a touchdown. I would now like to welcome Parker Mason onto the show as we break down this whirlwind of an NBA offseason. How are you doing today, Parker? I'm doing pretty well. How about you, Struck? I'm doing pretty good, too. Uh, so let's start out with who won this offseason and who lost. So uh, I definitely think that the Lakers, the Clippers, and uh, the Nets are the real big winners of the NBA offseason. I think obviously with the Lakers gaining uh, AD and Cousins and um, really putting a, a team together around LeBron, I think that that's going to definitely make them a real contender. I think the Clippers obviously adding PG and uh, Kawhi, that's huge. And the Nets adding KD and Kyrie, I think, and even DeAndre Jordan, I think that uh, that's going to really put them in, in title contention for, for the years to come. I think that they're going to be really good. As far as losers go, I have the Hornets, the Knicks, and the Raptors. Obviously, the Hornets um, losing their best player, even overpaying for a decent point guard in Terry Rozier, but he, he's not worth $20 million a year to me. The Knicks. Obviously, we know what happened with them. Uh, and the I have the Raptors, too, not just because they lost Kawhi, but because they had a trade in place to trade for Paul George and Westbrook. All they had to give up was Pascal Siakam, but they did not pull the trigger. To me, Siakam is very, very good, but he is not better than Paul George and Westbrook. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you can argue that Siakam, you know, he had the great year probably because of Kawhi. And, you know, you add Paul George and Westbrook, I think that easily fills the void for Kawhi, even though he's a great player. Yeah, no, the um the trade was set in place to actually keep Kawhi as well because Kawhi wanted to play with PG. So I think that uh, a, a trio of PG, Westbrook, and Kawhi would have been one of the greatest teams we've seen in a while, honestly. Easily. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Celtics for this upcoming season? Um, I really like the Celtics roster. They're very young. It seems like they all have something to prove. I think that their rebounding, their rebounding definitely has improved with the addition of Ennis Cantor. I think that the losses of Kyrie and Baines definitely hurt. But Kemba's a good consolation prize for Kyrie. I think that he's going to have a great year. 
I think Tatum and Brown are going to step up. I think Smart's going to have more of a role. And we're going to be able to see see uh, what, what this young team can really do. I think that we haven't been able to see that in, uh, since 2017, 2018, when uh, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that they're going to be really exciting. I don't know if they're going to be that good, like make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I think that they're going to be a playoff team for sure. Yeah, I think they'll be exciting. It's a it's a different look team, but you know it's there's a lot of chemistry there, and I think they can build that and maybe make a run. Yeah, all the guys seem to love each other, which is obviously what you need in a basketball team. So, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. And what are your thoughts on Taco Fall as he recently made the roster? Uh, I really like the signing of uh, Taco Fall. I think if he has the right coaches, he can definitely make an NBA roster and make an impact. I think that. Obviously, you can't teach size, and uh, he has size. I think that um, if he develops a little bit of a post game, he's going to be really dangerous because when you're 7'7", and I think he's, what, like 280? He's probably bigger than that, but he's uh, he's definitely, if he, he, if he gets the right coaches, he's definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I was certainly excited to see that he made the team. You could see that he definitely flourished in summer league, and now he has a chance to to really uh, make a make an impact for the Celtics this year. Yeah, I think uh, Taco's definitely going to be a decent NBA player. I don't know if he's going to be a star or an all-star, but he's, he's going to be a quality star. Uh, are the Lakers going to be serious contender this year with LeBron and AD? I do believe that the Lakers are going to be a serious title contender. Um, the Lakers have two of the top five players in the world, and LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis. I think that the additions of Danny Green, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, I think that Kyle Kuzma is going to be a big help. Resigning Contavious Caldwell-Pope and JaVale McGee definitely doesn't hurt. This team has good veterans. I, I don't think that they're great veterans, but I think that they have the star power that can really uh, take them over the top. What do you think the league transitioning to more of a players league and having a say of where they want to play and the GMs kind of taking a step backwards? I really do like the way that the NBA is heading with it becoming more of a players league. We're going to start to see more star players team up and kind of form duos instead of like super teams. So the NBA itself is going to be much more competitive. We're also going to start to see cities that weren't necessarily known for its basketball start to blossom into basketball cities. I think that uh, the NBA is definitely moving in the right direction. It's only going to expand into lesser known countries. Basketball itself is going to really spread because of this, because everyone knows the star players. So uh, I think that this is definitely a very good move for basketball. Yeah, I'm certainly excited to see what the NBA has in store for this year. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be exciting. I can't wait. Thank you for your time, Parker. It was a pleasure having you on today's episode of Sharky Sports Talk. Thank you for having me, my guy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strucky Sports Talk. I'd like to thank Parker for breaking down NBA free agency on the show today. I hope you join me next time, and I'll see you guys later. Have a great weekend.